0: Hello, everybody, and welcome to Mom of the Hard Kid. Today, we're going to be talking about fetal alcohol spectrum disorder, formerly known as fetal alcohol syndrome. This is when your child is exposed to alcohol in utero. While they're still in their mother's stomach, the mother consumes alcohol, and the baby cannot, through the placenta, filter out all of the alcohol coming its way. And as such, the baby ends up getting a lot of mental or physical consequences because of that behavior. Now, one of the reasons I'm talking about this is because my daughter has been unofficially diagnosed with fetal alcohol syndrome, but also because the United States just released in the last year information that there is no safe amount of alcohol to be consumed while you are pregnant. Because I think kind of the standard before is like, sure, you can have a glass of wine, things like that. But they've learned that actually even a very simple amount of alcohol can be detrimental to the development of your child. So some of the reasons alcohol is developmentally detrimental is because it can cause a range of physical, cognitive, and behavioral disorders. Now, this is in the NIH. AAA at the National Institute of on Alcohol and Abuse and Alcoholism. <laughs> that was a mouthful at the uh, National Institute of Health. And they talk about how the alcohol exposure is not only 100% preventable, but cause birth defects and neurological development deficits and how what that looks like. So in the United States, it is assumed that approximately one in 10 pregnant women has used alcohol in the past month. And then they talk about how one to five percent of first graders in the United States, the children have fetal alcohol spectrum disorder. And if you go into other countries, other countries have varying amounts of this, but because it is a spectrum disorder, some you have to take all of these percentages with a little bit of a grain of salt because it's it's kind of difficult to know. I know Scotland has really been focusing in on this with its babies. They think that there are three to five percent in Scotland. Um, but this is a concern that they have because they also believe that only a small portion of people with fetal alcohol spectrum disorder have the diagnosis and receive any support or understanding of their brain function. So they're even creating different um, majors and master's programs in the universities that specifically focus on fetal alcohol syndrome. Now the reason this is such a big deal is because when you look up diagnostically what is required to be diagnosed with fetal alcohol syndrome, it is incredibly different than what the signs and symptoms are of fetal alcohol syndrome. And that was really confusing to me as this normal mom doing research. Because when you look at the CDC's guidelines, their signs and symptoms. It says low body weight, poor coordination, hyperactivity, Difficulty with attention, poor memory, difficulty in school, learning disabilities, speech delays, intellectual disability or low IQ, poor reasoning and judgment, sleep or suckling problems as a baby, vision or hearing problems, problems with heart, kidney or bones, shorter than average size, smaller head size, also called microcephaly, abnormal facial features, such as the smooth ridge between the nose and the upper lip. So, you know, how I have that little bump there, the philtrum. It's not there. And then also the the bridge of the nose is flattened. So you end up looking like your eyes are abnormal and that, I mean, they could be farther apart or whatever it is, but also it's because that nose is flattened. So they're kind of pushed in the way that is because it didn't pop up the way that it was supposed to. So the, these are kind of the physical things that they look at in order to get a diagnosis for fetal alcohol syndrome. But when I was talking to some of the specialists, I was saying, because the therapist who does not have the ability to diagnose this, the therapist says, I think she has fetal alcohol syndrome. And so I was talking to some of the mental health professionals and some of her medical health professionals. And they were like, no, she can still get that diagnosis. She's, they said, but the diagnostic criteria are incredibly confusing regarding fetal alcohol syndrome much to the detriment of the potential diagnosis of a lot of these children. So when you're trying to get a diagnosis and you look up at the CDC information, you will have to go through a neuropsych evaluation for your child. You're going to have to have people, multiple disciplinary people, as in like from multiple disciplines. So some from the mental health field, usually, you know, neuropsychological professionals. Um, And they're going to look for specific things. But when you look at the CDC, there are four clinical features that are considered to have a fetal alcohol syndrome diagnosis. Now, in this fetal alcohol spectrum diagnosis, fetal alcohol syndrome is the more severe of all on the spectrum. And what they look for, as was first described in 1973, is selected facial malformations that we talked about with the nose, with the upper lip, but there's also some ears, things, um, smaller head, and the central nervous system abnormalities, maternal and maternal alcohol consumption during pregnancy, and also growth retardation. So when you are talking about the central nervous system abnormalities. This is where it's just like this gigantic gray area and they're just doing their best to try and see who fits in here and where it goes. Because a lot of these things as you go through, they look like ADHD. They look like oppositional defiant disorder. They look like a lot of other things. And it's really hard to distinguish what is from alcohol and what is from another source. And for any of you who have gone through the process of getting a neuropsychological evaluation, you know that it takes a long time. I mean, when you go in, you're there for quite a while. And they do tests on intelligence, on memory, on language, and your executive functioning, um, sub- sub-processes, it says, and your visual spatial, your dementia-specific um, and it just goes through these different cognitive skills and then they evaluate it. And and it's a really long test and it's supposed to be able to filter out what diagnoses best fit your child. Now, that is all fine and good and lovely, but it is really difficult to get a neuropsychological evaluation in some portions of the United States us, for example, we have been on the waiting list for two years. Actually, it's probably been closer to just over a year and a half. So we've been waiting to be able to get in and get our neuropsychological evaluation. So we haven't gotten an official diagnosis from a neurological evaluation at this point. But one of the things that is lovely about fetal alcohol syndrome as a diagnosis, like receiving your diagnosis, is that then you'll be able to say, okay, I know my child has this. What resources are available to my child? And one of the resources in the United States is called the FASD United Affiliate Network. Now, this is a place where you go and you can find um, support and resources. There's an application fee And they have like summits and events, but they also you can go through and you can get information that might be beneficial to find a provider near you or even one that will do like a remote discussion with you. And you can kind of find more information about fetal alcohol according to what your needs are. So some states don't have a representation But if you go on the website, they do have a map where the higher uh, fetal alcohol states are and where they have different groups. And you don't have to be a resident of that state. For example, Montana doesn't have representation. It doesn't matter if they go and look in North Dakota, that's just fine. So there are resources here. But one of the resources I really just appreciated was the fetal, the nofasd.org.au. And this was for Australia. And it talks about, you know, general questions that people have about fetal alcohol spectrum disorder. And I really like that just on the very first page, they have these worksheets to pass out to people who need more information. I don't know. Can you print that? I don't know, but it's they talk about the signs of fetal alcohol and it says it in, it can include developmental dislay, delay but it, know that it also doesn't need to include that. When you when you go through and break through the numbers and you're and you're reading the articles on that, there's a percentage of people with fetal alcohol that are actually highly intelligent. So, the developmental delay isn't necessarily the only criteria for fetal alcohol syndrome, sleep disorders, difficulty regulating emotions, impulsive or risk-taking behaviors, challenges, understanding and learning from past mistakes or consequences, difficulty making and keeping friends, and poor memory. And the list goes on. But I think the reason why the Australia site sort of speaks to me is because they, they divided things up in a way that, that, really seem to represent what it looks like for a child to have fetal alcohol syndrome and just instead of explaining just what it is. So they do, they talk about, you know, what we talked about, the impulsiveness and the learning disabilities, but they also talk about how some of these kids get stuck in a pattern of thought or in an action and find it difficult to move on. Um, it talks about the explosive behaviors or even the running away, or even inappropriate sexual behavior. And I, one of my absolute favorite things that they bring up on this website is they talk about physical age versus developmental age. And if I could explain this for any child with mental health disorders, or just any child, truly, it talks about how you can have one child who is 18 years old, and they might have the expressive language capabilities of a 20-year-old and the reading ability of a 16-year-old and the life skills of an 11-year-old and the money concepts and time concepts of an eight-year-old and the social skills of a seven-year-old and the social maturity and comprehension of a six-year-old. And I think, yeah, because that's what it is when you when you have a child who has, I mean, even any child Um, Even my neurotypical children, they tend to have places that they're more advanced and places where they struggle, but they tend to be closer together than my non-neurotypical children that tend to have some that are like way high in the clouds and others that haven't really left the ground at all yet. But my second favorite part of this No FASD Australia is the characteristics across the lifespan page. It goes through infancy, early childhood, early school age, middle school age, adolescence, and even into adulthood. Um, It talks about the different things that can happen. It just sort of explains it in a way that is easier to understand than when you're looking at a list that says poor coordination. Well, poor coordination in according to this website it's just a little more clearly explained as something like unusual posturing of hands or unable to support head or tremulous and irritable and may cry a lot. So it kind of explains just a little bit more in detail what it might look like for your child to have these things. Now, if you head on into early childhood, you'll find, I found, I found that a lot of the things that are represented as signs of fetal alcohol, are signs that are in my child and that overlap with disinhibited social engagement disorder, including not responding well to change, preferring a routine and structure, which has been incredibly critical. I actually think structure in a child's life is one of the most important things that you can offer. Because when they have to switch into that gear where they're like, and then what and then what i just it's just not beneficial in my opinion to their development so early school age they talk about how reading and writing might not even be noticed as delayed at this time about memory deficits about gross motor control problems and the inability to transfer learning from one situation to another situation to learn from experience i mean that's to me a very a big one that happens. I have to go through with my child and explain every situation and why it matters, even though most kids would be able to say, Oh, well, this lesson applies here. And it also applies here. She has to have it explained in every area. But she is picking up on that. And again, I don't know the extent there is, as it is said, it's a spectrum disorder now. And the National Institute of Health in the United States kind of lists out the spectrum and the diagnoses that are connected to the spectrum, where it says that there's fetal alcohol syndrome, there's partial fetal alcohol syndrome, there's alcohol-related neurodevelopmental disorder, there's alcohol-related birth defects, and there are neurobehavioral disorders associated with prenatal alcohol exposure. So... Depending on where you fit in this or where your child fits in this, that's going to kind of, you know, impact the diagnoses. But when you look in the DSM-5, there's no information here. I don't know how you have to have a neuropsychological evaluation. I mean, I do, but I'm being snarky and they have no fetal alcohol syndrome diagnosis in the DSM-5. What they do have is something in on page 86 of the original DSM-5 called Other Specified Neurodevelopmental Disorder. And what they've done here is they have a subcategory of other specified neurodevelopmental disorder called neurodevelopmental disorder associated with prenatal alcohol exposure. And I'll read to you the entirety. It says neurodevelopmental disorder associated with prenatal alcohol exposure is characterized by a range of developmental disabilities following exposure to alcohol in utero. It's kind of interesting too, as you go through some of the information and you find out that they think in Canada that they have 4% of Canadians with fetal alcohol spectrum disorder and that this is higher than three times autism spectrum disorder, or even in, in Canada, it's higher than autism, cerebral palsy, and Down syndrome combined. And they also have this interesting statistic, which is one of the reasons I think it just is really critically important to learn more about fetal alcohol syndrome is that 90% of individuals with fetal alcohol spectrum disorder experience mental health issues. But one of my absolute favorite facts about fetal alcohol spectrum disorder is because it says here on the CanadaFASD.ca Facts website that individuals with FASD are known for having a number of different strengths, including being friendly, likable, affectionate, determined, hardworking, forgiving, non-judgmental and caring. So as we get a little bit overwhelmed with the fact that there's a lot that comes with this, a lot of maybe learning delays, a lot of mental illness, a lot of things that come with having some exposure to alcohol in utero, know that that doesn't mean that the value of the child is any less than the value of somebody who doesn't have this. And these will be great things to remember when you compare the alternate statistics about how in the juvenile correction system that 11 to 25% of the kids who are in there have fetal alcohol syndrome. But an even scarier statistic is the fact that 60% of people with fetal alcohol spectrum disorder have some sort of run in the the law. And 35% of those end up being incarcerated. So your chances of having your child with fetal alcohol spectrum disorder and up with trouble with the law is 19 times higher than those without fetal alcohol spectrum disorder. And this is from an article from the Journal of a, American Academy of Psychiatry and the Law called Neurocognitive Function and Fetal Alcohol Spectrum Disorder in Offenders with Mental Disorders. This is actually a really fascinating article. It was written by Mansfield Mela. It was written by Katherine Flanagan, T- Tara Anderson, Monty Nelson, Sudhij Krishnan, and more. It's a really great article, and I really encourage you guys, if you're really looking for information about um, neurocognitive function and mental health disorders in offenders. Just, it just gives so much information. And it's, as somebody who is a parent, who's kind of terrified about how this is going to show up in adolescence, even with the oppositional defiance, even with the anxiety, even with attachment disorders, it just goes through and explains a little bit about their collective sample and what that looked like for their sample to proceed in the mental health and offender categories. There's just a lot of information here. I think it's a really informative study. Now, this has been a lot of information kind of shoved at you pretty fast. So I'm going to end here and just thank you so much for joining and encourage those of you who are looking for more information regarding fetal alcohol spectrum disorder to check the CDC, to check the National Institute of Health in the United States, to check again, the nofasd.org.au, as well as this study in the JAPL.org. I think you're going to find a lot of good information and a lot of good metrics and I wish you all the best. I know it's difficult just dealing with fetal alcohol syndrome. I also know it's difficult when tons of random information is just being shoved at you. So thank you so much for joining us and I hope you have a great day.